This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I'm sure some of you learned Toma Devara. Maybe you didn't. Very, very deep safer. Very, very deep safer. I want to take it. Part of it has to do with this week's parasha. So and next week we'll talk about my trip. from the beginning. Really, if someone hurts you, not only are you supposed to forgive them, but you're supposed to do a favor for them. Very hard. I think it's, I think it's above Okay. Anyway, what's this week's Pasha's Pasha by Yichir? Are we good? Are we on? Hello? We live? I don't know if everybody in this room is alive. I'm a client. I have to get out if you're not. Okay. So this week's Pasha Yichi. Pasha Yichi is a Pasha Stuma. Every Pasha in between the two Pashas is a space. Kayan gets Aliyah. I'm a Kayan. And you get Aliyah. You see they're all looking for the word Vayichi because there's no space. So you can't, it's hard to find the word. So it's a Pasha Stuma, which means that the Pasha is closed because Yaakov Vida wanted to tell his children where Mashiach was going to come. But that didn't work. Hashem took away his because if we knew Mashiach was going to come, we'd be bad until the day before and we do tshuva, right? So Hashem took that away. Also, they started the Golas, so their eyes were closed. But there's a very beautiful shot. What's the word that's closed? The last word of last week's parasha is ma'od. So ma'od ends where it's supposed to. The last word ends where it's supposed to. What makes it stuma is Vayichi. Because that word is supposed to be spaced away, but it's not. So the word that's really stuma is not the word ma'od, but the word Vayichi. So really it's, it looks like ma'od Vayichi. He lived a lot. So life is very stuma. Life is very hidden. It's very hidden. We think we know what's going on, but we really don't know what's going on. And the, be- the best proof of this is the whole story of Yosef Atzadik. I just want to tell you something that I don't believe, because I missed last week. Um, I-, I didn't say this here, and it's, it's a game changer. I-, I spoke in a yeshiva. I was asked to speak in a yeshiva and to speak about achdus, because there's a very big problem with bullying today, and-, and kids bullying other kids and not getting along with other kids and being jealous of other kids. The, the more the door has, the more the generation has, the more you're jealous. Like in my door, no one had like really nice clothing. Like nothing, you know, like you just wore shoes from Alexander's for two ninety nine or five ninety nine, whatever it wasn't. So we weren't, we weren't that jealous of everyone because nobody really had anything to be jealous of. But now, iPad, this car, that car, this clothing, those shoes, what are those, um, what are they called? Crocs 
I want, I, I want, I like Crocs, he likes Crocs, but that's not what they're talking about. What's that a very expensive thing from Australia? What? Uggs, Uggs. Oh my gosh, Uggs, you gotta have Ugg boots, and you gotta have those rain boots. What are those rain boots that everyone has to have these rain boots? They also have a name. And rain boots and Uggs, and then the ugliest boots you ever saw. Uggs, right? But Uggs, Uggs, everything. Uggs. Right? So now everybody has a lot. So because everyone has a lot, everyone's jealous of a lot. They are? Okay. But anyway, yeah, but, but no, that's what I'm saying. If, if it's very... Oh, but nobody's going to buy the invitation for half a price. But they'll buy from China for half a price if they fake and put the name on it. Mishugam, right? Right, we're crazy. So, so the more you have, the more you're jealous. So this generation has a big problem with jealousy. What do you do when you're jealous? When the other person has something you don't have, you want to put that other person down. You bully. So, right, well, so you got to come in and talk to our yeshiva about the situation. This was, I went to somewhere to speak. You got to talk to the boys. Okay? You got to talk to the boys about what it means to care about another person. I want to go back to Pashas Rayigash. Actually, further than that. I want to go back, last week was Rayigash, I want to go back to Mikates. So listen to this. Amazing. In Pashas Mikates, in Pasuk Lamed Aleph. Perak Mem Gimel. You should write this down because this is a Rashi that you'll remember for the rest of your life. Okay? Pashas Miketz. Perak Mem Gimel. Pasuk. Lamed Beis. Well, this I'm going back actually to Pasuk Chav Test first. Enav, Yosef lifted his eyes. Vayaras Binyamin. And he saw Binyamin. Achiv ben Imo, his brother the son of his mother, was from Rachel. But Yoimeh, he said to his brothers, Is this the young boy that you spoke about? They said yes. But Yomar Yosef, and Yosef ran out. Because he, he just had so much pity on his brother, towards his brother, towards his brother. But Yivakesh Libchais, and he needed to cry. He wanted to cry. Now he started crying. By Yivakesh. He wanted to cry. What do you mean you want to cry? Who wants to cry, right? By Yivakesh Libchais. And he needed to cry, but he wanted to cry in front of his brothers and they'd figure out what's going, what's wrong with this guy, right? So by Yavai Hachadra, he went, ran out and went into a private room. By Yevchashama and he cried there. Okay? He didn't want to cry in front of his brothers. He wanted to cry in a room. Why did you want to cry? By Panov. And he had to wash his face. And then he went out and he met his brothers. Now, everyone in this room knows that if you have to cry so much that you can't come back into the room without washing your face that no one should be able to know that you were crying, you were really out of control crying. Someone goes through and he's crying. You, you wipe your, you, you wipe your face, right? You come back out, you're like, okay, what's going on? No, the pussy's telling us you have to wash his face. Which meant that he was hysterical crying. What happened? Why did he want to cry? What happened over here? Now, if you're going to tell me what's the first time you saw Benjamin, not true. The paragraph before, many psukim before, it says, 
that he saw his brother. Let's go all the way back. He saw his brother come down. That's Binyamin. Let's see where he says it. Ah, Pasik Tezayin. Okay, way before. Pasik Tezayin, Parak Mem Gimel. Vaya Yosef Itam as Binyamin. And he saw with the brothers that Binyamin was there. So he didn't fall apart. He didn't start crying. What happened over here? There's a Rashi that most people don't really pay that much attention to. Which is an amazing Rashi. And Rashi says, what happened over here that he wet, that he cried so much that he had to wash his face? Zuck Rashi. Let's get to Rashi. Man, Dalit. Man, Dalit, man, Dalit. Here. Okay. So it bothers Rashi. Why? What happened over here? Kinimku Rachamov. Because all of a sudden he had this feeling of Rachamim, right? He had this crazy feeling and he couldn't control it. Okay. Again, Kinimku Rachamov El Achiv. Not he had pity on his brother. He had pity to his brother. Because of his brother. Says Rashi the following. Sha'alu. Yosef Atzadik asked. Binyamin. He may believe he didn't know him. Do you have a brother from your mother? Do you have a brother from your mother? Amalo. Yeah, Binyamin said to Yosef, not knowing that he was Yosef. I had a brother. But any day, I don't know where he is. Okay, fine. Yosef asked him, Do you have any children? Amalo. Yeshli Asara, Binyamin said, I have ten children. Wow, ten children. Amalo, Mashimam. What's their names? You have ten children, tell me their names. Amalo, Bella, Bachar. You want to know his ten children, who they were? Huh? It's very important. It's very important. It's what Rashi's talking is what, yeah. I'm not to argue, I'm not, it's very important. I'm sorry that I didn't tell you that beforehand that it's very important. Let's look at this, let's look at, uh, let's look at the Psalms. Where are they counted? They counted in Rayigash. Most Rashi's bring it down. Just this in this art scroll, they ah okay. Ubenay binyamin pasuk chav aleph perik memvav. Ubenay binyamin Bella, Becher, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Echi, Rosh, Bupim, Chupim, Vaard. Okay, those are the ten sons. So we asked them, what's the name? Bella, Becher, Amaloi, Matiba, Shushem, Hasalalu. Yosef asked Binyamin again, no one knows this, Yosef. What's the reason for these names? You're like, funny names, right? Amaloi, Kulam, Alshem, Achai. Every one of these ten are named after my brother, 
that I lost. And all the pain that found him. Bella Shinivla Benaumais. Bella because he was swallowed up by the nations. Becher Becher because he was the oldest, he was the oldest for his mother. Ashbel Shishavuel, Gerush and his guy Bachasya, he's a stranger in a strange land. Naman Shayinoim Biyoisa, he was beautiful, comes from the word not Nami, Naomi. Achai, Burash Achai, he was my brother, he was the, the, whole, the top brother. Burash Haya, he was my head. Mupim, Mipi, Avi Lamad. Mupim because Mipi, the word Mempe Yud, is Mipi, because from the, the mouth of my father, he learned. Now comes the one that caused Yosef to fall apart. The Chupim, he's called Chupim, because he didn't see my chuppah. He didn't make it to my wedding. And I never saw his wedding. So that's why I named him Chupim. Because he went down into the other nations. So what happens here? Miyad says to Gemara, Miyad Immediately, he lost control. He had to run into a room. He had to cry so much that he had to go wash his face. Why, girls? Because someone cared about him so much that he named someone who didn't, who was a little boy when Yosef was stolen. But he had a brother that wanted to make sure that any time he called any of his children, come here, Chupim, he remembered his brother. Come here, Mupim, he remembered his brother. When Yosef heard that he had a brother that named all his children after his sorrows, he couldn't deal with it anymore. He thought that the brothers didn't care about him. We don't understand what ha- this whole story. People have tried, we don't understand. They were the, the shift they caught. So the, what looks like what happened, they sold him and they were mean. We don't understand what happened here. But we can understand that when he had a brother that named every one of his children because his brother was missing. And the big thing here that I spoke to the boys about was, I hear all this. I hear it. Going down, father taught him, being swallowed. But when he said to him that I named the child because... I didn't go to his chuppah. Then you didn't, you didn't come to my wedding. I'm upset. You didn't come to my wedding. But I'm upset I didn't, that I didn't get to go to your wedding. I didn't even know where you are. When he told his brother that I named the child because I wasn't at your wedding. He wasn't, didn't know it was his brother. That I named the child because I wasn't at your wedding. Yosef said, he named the child and bothered him that he wasn't at my wedding? I can't deal with that. And he lost it. And the Gemara says that's when he lost them. So he said to the boys, you see from here, you're talking about Yosef Atzadik, who cares, brother, remember you, didn't remember you, he's running the world. He's the king of Egypt, he's running the world. And you're falling apart emotionally? You're crying so much you have to wash your face because your younger brother named all his kids after you? And the answer is it doesn't matter how great you are, how big you are, or who you are. 
you want to be loved and you want to be cared about and you want to be thought about. And when you bully somebody, you're pushing him the other way, just the opposite. It's an unbelievable Rashi. It's an eye-opening Rashi. And that's why I said, that's why he lost control here. That's why he couldn't control it anymore. This guy named all 10 kids that no matter who he calls in his family, he's thinking of me. He doesn't even know me. Benjamin didn't even know him. He's a little boy. He's a little boy when Yosef was sold. So how important it is for all of us to, to care and to just the opposite. Someone who's going through a hard time to let them know that you do care about them and that you are thinking about them, not pushing them away and bullying them. And it comes back in this week's parsha. Very, very important. So, I myself have been struggling in the last six weeks to two months I feel that someone really hurt me. Hurt me very deeply. And it's hard. And I work on my midos. I really don't like this person. He really hurt me. And not only I don't like this person, but I can't get it out of my head. And it bothers me, and I'm upset, and I'm angry, and I'm not Michael. And I'm not wishing good on him. And that's not where you're supposed to be. So when I was in Eretz Yisrael, a few weeks ago, not this trip, but a few weeks ago, I went to a very big gadol, a very big tzaddik. You can't get to him. I got to him through someone, he was in a car, and they let me sit in the front and talk to him in the front of the car. I couldn't even get into his house. Very, very holy man. This was someone that I was told to to go to. And Gamaliel would have said, oh, get it out of your heart. I needed something. Anyway, I went, I, I, I haven't been before I went to Rabbi Gamaliel and I went to him and I sat down with him and I said, I can't, I can't be Michael this. I cannot be Michael this. I can't. I can't. I can't. I just can't. If I'm going to say I'm Michael, I'm not. He said, you need to know that if someone hurts you and you don't Michael him, you bring on the whole Klai Yisrael, on the whole Jewish nation, that Hashem will not be Michael them if they do something to him. So, every day a person gets born, every, right? It's like you're getting born, Hashem gives you life during the day, and you take that life that He's giving you, and you use it against Him. You watch things you shouldn't, you do things you shouldn't, talk about Shahari you shouldn't, you waste the time that He gives you on your phones and stuff like that. So, Hashem has a right to be angry. You're hurting him. He's giving you something and you're throwing it back in his face. So if you're not Michael and you stay angry, so Hashem's not Michael and he stays angry. But if you let it go, but not only you let it go, you go and do this guy a favor. Not just you Michael him, but you go out and do him a favor what do you cause in Shemayim? That the sinners of Klai Yisrael, not only does God have to forgive them, but He has to do them favors. Because if a human being can forgive a human being, 
and do them a favor, you're God, like Rachel said. You're God, you're bigger than me. So you not only have to forgive the bad Jew, the one who's sinning, you have to go do them favors like me. He says, you have the attribute, you have the power to control what Hashem does in this world. I was sitting there, I was like, we're like, where do you learn this? And he said, Toma Devorah. You have to learn, you have to go back to America, and you have to learn Toma Devorah, and it will change your whole life. Okay. So, I listen. Not only that, it's a very big school if you learn Toma Devorah, that you, you, if you're sick, you'll get better, you're not going to get sick. You, you learn Toma Devorah, it's brought down. What? Yeah, it's in English. This is just, this is just the beginning of it. The rest is too Kabbalistic to learn. But the 13 attributes, this book, this book will change your life if you can practice what you learn. And I'm working very hard on it. It's not, you know, you learn it, but then, you know. So this, that happens to me that I, that I met one of these people that, that I felt hurt me very much. And, and, I, I, and I learned this already. I started learning it. And I thought I could do it. And instead of being very nice and warm and saying hello, I was like, hello. I gave the coldest shoulder you could believe it. And I said, okay, it's not so simple. It's not so simple. You learn it. I thought I came off the plane this morning. I was like, I'm there. It's all crystal, the whole thing. I'm going to turn on the plane. I'm like, hold on. And then boom, Hashem threw me right into the room. And he's like, Shalom Aleichem. I'm like, uh, I just walked right by. I never gave a person such a cold shoulder. I came home and said to my wife, Aive. Okay, you have to learn it. You have to learn it. It has become part of you. It's not so easy. Someone hurts you. Okay. So it just happens to be, it, this is... People are not going to buy this book because Rabbi Watson bought this book, but when you hear that there's a school up, ooh, that really works. So he says, Rabbi Shayahar, what's known as a Shalah, who wrote many tefillos, said that anyone who is accustomed to reading Toma Devorah, completing it every week or a month, is a Ben Agam Haba, the different Chaim of Sans. The Sans of Rebbe said that reading Toma Devorah is a skula to protect one from Ill- illness. Obviously, these schools are ineffective for people who just read the book without trying to understand it. Okay, it's not like a safer to heal them, he says. You have to try to understand it. In contrast, the benefit of Tom and is not found in the holiness of its written words, but in the content of their meaning. Therefore, its benefit lies in understanding and implementing its teachings. Okay. I, I'm going to start from Aleph. Maybe we'll learn one every week. I don't know if we'll have time to learn one every week. But this happens to be very connected to this week's Parsha. So here's the first one. You ready? Here we go. The attribute Mikel Kamaycha teaches us Hashem bears insult and endures offenses to an extent we cannot fathom. Certainly nothing is hidden from His eyes. Furthermore, our very existence every moment is sustained by the by Hashem. Thus, no sin has ever been committed unless at the very instant the person was sinning, Hashem was giving him life and giving him the ability. He's sinning with his eyes who gave you eyesight. He's sitting with his ears, who gave you the ability to hear. He's sitting with his hands, who gave you those limbs to move. Right? So you're actually using what he gave you to hurt him. Even though the sinner uses that force to sin, Hashem still does not withhold it from him at all. Because Baruch Hu bears the affront of supplying him with power while he uses that power at the moment for sin. Do not say that Hashem is unable to hold back from him that goodness in a moment, Hashem could paralyze. You want to do an Aver with your hands? You want to turn it off? He could, he could give you a stroke, right? So even though Hashem has the ability to withdraw the power, right, since you sin against me, 
do it with your own power, not mine, despite this, Hashem does not do that. He gives the sinner power and his goodness. Hashem's endurance and patience defy description. Okay? And that's what we say, Mi kamaycha kel kamaycha. So this is the attribute that a man must emulate, to endure. Even if he's insulted to such an extent, extent, he should not withhold his goodness from the one who receives it. When a person constantly does favors for another, this is where I, Mamash was talking to me, and is one day met with a tremendously offensive display of ingratitude. Parents go through this with their children, they do everything for their kids, and their kids just spit them in the face. So it's talking to parents also. In which the beneficiary of his kindness, the one that you're helping, uses the very favor he bestowed in order to harm him. It is very difficult to bear. If he nonetheless continues to bestow the same favor that was used against him, with the hopes that one day the beneficiary will make amends, he displays the restraint of anger which extends to heaven and awakens Hashem of mercy that Baruch Hu will forgive, like you're forgiving, Baruch Hu has to forgive Kleistral. Okay? That was number one. And then he goes, and then we'll go, we'll go to Yosef HaTzadik. I want to get to the one, there's one thing that I saw on the plane. I think I underlined it. Involved. This is also very fascinating. He says here that the person who hurts you, he has to have something good about him. That you you need to focus on the thing that was good about him. Okay. Anyway, this is. I want to go to this point, and then and then Mitchum next week. We'll, next week we'll. Uh, this is what I taught in class today. Very important. Then we'll go to Yosef Tzadik and show how that's how that, first time I'm ever using a board in the history. Of Ornava giving class. And you're, Baruch Hashem, lucky enough here to, to be part of this, if you can read my handwriting, if this writes. Okay. We'll take the board. You have to press, Baruch Hashem. Okay. I'm not, I'm not doing too much, don't worry. They're like, can he draw? Rabbi Wallstein knows how to draw? No, Rabbi Wallstein does not know how to draw. In fact, I have the worst handwriting you will ever see. Why do I have the worst handwriting you ever see? Because really, I'm a lefty. But I'm a Kohen. And the halacha is that a lefty is a mum by a Kohen. So if you're a lefty, you can't work in the base of Mignosh. Everything in the base of Mignosh was set up for the righty. So when I was born, my father, I took the spoon and the pen and everything, and I put it in my left hand. And my father took it from my left hand and put it in my right hand. Because the way, you, the way halachically you're a lefty or a righty when it comes to which tillin you, how you put on your tillin, or if it's a mum, it's by how you write. Doesn't matter how you eat, doesn't matter how you throw a ball, doesn't matter how you scratch your head, it matters on how you write. If you write with your right hand, you're a righty, la halacha. If you write with your left hand, you're a lefty with halacha. Where does it make a difference? In tillin, right? It makes a difference in tillin, it also makes a difference if you're a kayan. My father didn't want to have a child that's a mum. So he never let me write lefty. 
he always put the pen in my right hand. So I'm a righty, forced righty, but in my brain, I'm a lefty. So my handwriting, the reason I've never written on a board is like a, a doctor's prescription. It's like the worst. But I can work in the base of English. I'm a righty. I write with my right hand. I never wrote my left hand. So a hay. That's all I drew was a hay. And we were talking about addictions today, whatever it was, and I, 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 I'm not going into this too deeply tonight, but I have a, a share that I talk about the roads in your, in your psyche, that you create these roads in your psyche. If you do something once, you know what it feels like, and therefore you're going to go back, and even if you close the roads, you can always open it again, but if you never did it, you don't know what it feels like, right? So I came with this whole psychology thing, which I've talked to psychologists about, and I've given Shira on, and everyone thinks like it's amazing, and it's true. It's true. So that's why, you know, you can't watch one movie. No, you can't smoke one, one joint. No, you can't take one drink. No, you can't play cards once. No, you can't watch something that's really terrible to watch because you know what that does to your body. You know the feelings that you feel. And once that's part of you, even if you're like, oh, I can't believe what I just did, it's there. It's in your brain. It's there, right? If you eat a pretzel, you know what a pretzel tastes like. So even if when you're 80 years old, you don't remember what it tastes like, but you remember that I like eating pretzels. But if you never ate a pretzel, you're like, I don't know if I want to eat that. I don't know what it tastes like. Right? So you go into a store, and there's a fruit there you never, ever tasted. Right? You're not going to taste it because it can be really disgusting, like those those um, shechianos that they sell for shashana, and then you make a shechiano and you eat it, and you like spit it out. Right? That's not a good shechiano because you don't know what that fruit tastes like. Right? Dinosaur fruit, all these weird fruits that they sell. So you're supposed to try to find a shechiano. You know what it, what it tastes like. So... You're not going to taste it if you never tasted it. But if you know what it tastes like, for the rest of your life, you know what a tomato tastes like. Unless you don't get very ill, right? But if you're normal, you remember what it tastes I like tomatoes. I remember what it tastes like. So anything that you do in your life, once you do it once, it's there. So it's very, when you do tshuva, right? So when you close that road, if you, if you, and that's why there's a 90% relapse in drugs, because you're a drug addict, and even though you went to rehab and you feel great and you're close, I'm never doing drugs again, I'm not ruining my family, I'm not doing that, and you come out of the rehab and you're all excited, and they are, and you're 30 days, 90 days, whatever it is, and you're in a good place, and you come home, and wow, but what happens is now you go back into the world, and you go back to business, and your wife's yelling at you, and your kids are yelling at you, and you have a headache, and a business that just told you you lost your job, and the only thing that makes you feel good for the last 10 years was drugs, so you're going to go and move the road close sign, move the orange little things that were out there, and you go back down the road. But if you never did drugs, when you're down, that's not where you're going. Right? So, so Baruch Hashem, I never did drugs. I never drank. I never got drunk. I don't know what it feels like. I'm scared of it. Maybe I'm going to throw up. Maybe it's going to make me nauseous. Right? There was one day I was, I was very whatever, and my blood pressure was high, and this and that. And my friend was like, I have a Valium. Take a Valium. Right? A Valium, a little teeny Valium. You, you need to chill. Take a Valium. I said, okay. He gave me the Valium. I put it with a little bottle. It's three years. I still haven't taken that Valium. Because I never took a Valium. I'm very scared of it. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to get nauseous. And then it's like eight hours. I'm going to be nauseous. I'm not going to take that chance. But someone who pops Valiums, hey, it's not a problem. He has that road. I'm not doing that anymore. Right. But, but if you get depressed, you're going you're gonna to take it. Right. So it depends what you have in your life. So Hashem, one of my outlets were sports and I'm a drummer. I'll go up and play two hours on my drums with the music blaring, whatever it is. But the best road. So, so the girls today in class were like, Rabbi Wallstein, so that means if I did something, I looked at a movie I wasn't supposed to, so that's it. I'm, that's it. I'm done. 
Like, I'm going to get depressed one day or whatever it is. I'm going to look at another. Like, I, I, I drank in, in seminary and, and, and I got one, one night drunk. That's it. I'm a drunk. You're telling me I'm, it's over? I'm like, no, it's not over. You need to create a new road. You have a road in your psyche that's closed. You need to create a, a new, more exciting road than that road so that you'll get to that road before the road that's closed. And the, the, the most, the road that you can create that will break an addiction is helping others. Because that's an addiction. When you help someone, and you cause someone to smile, there's a spike in your adrenaline. It's like, whoa, I just made this girl happy. Wow, I just helped this person. And that's why most drug addicts become drug therapists. They do KSAC, and in the good places, and the rehabs that I've gone to, the, 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 the therapist was once a drug addict. Like, like, Rabbi, been there, done that. I know what it feels like. I can help these kids. Why? Because that person has that road. But if they can help someone else, their road of helping someone is much bigger than going and shooting up again. Because I'm helping this person. I was there, and now I can take this person away from that road. The best road to create in your psyche to break an addiction is chesed. Nothing to talk about. And most people who had an addiction, whether it's a gambler addiction, becomes a gambler therapist. Because he understands the gambling, the drinking, the drugging, whatever, the overeating. Right? There are, there are people that I work with that go to OA. They go to Overeating Anonymous. Who's the nutritionist and the therapist? A girl that herself went through it. An eating disorder. Who is the best specialist in anorexia? A girl that went through it. And now she's healed and she's good. Why? Because she's helping. I have a friend who was a drug addict who lost his wife and his kids and lost his whole family, lost everything. And he became like one of the best people at helping kids go to rehab. And he, Baruch hasn't relapsed and he'll never relapse because he's doing, he's taking his bad road, which is closed, and he opened this new super highway of helping people. The best road to create in a person's psyche, for sure, is chesed. But if you don't create another road, that road that you closed, you're going to relapse, 90%. 10 people in a room, nine are going to relapse. Why? Because sooner or later, you're going to be put into a position where you're going to want to go back to that road. And it's going to be closed. And you're going to be like, I showed the girls today, like, like, I had this road, like a road, and I put all these little candies in front to block the road, right? And you're going to come to that, and you're going to be like, I'm just going to move the, the orange cones. I'm just going to get a... Let's tell you a story about a woman that I know. And she as a girl was a drinker. She was a drinker. And Baruch Hashem, she stopped, and she got clean, and she got married, and she was good. I felt there shouldn't be any alcohol in our house. But she said, I'm fine. I, my husband has alcohol. They make kiddush on Shabbos. I, I don't drink. I don't drink. One day, she had a really bad day. One of her kids was in very big trouble. They were throwing her out of school. She had a fight with her husband in the morning. She had just gained a lot of weight. She didn't like the way she looked. She was just in a very bad place. She went downstairs. She told me the story. She went downstairs. She said, he has a lot of alcohol in the house. A little shot of vodka. 
Not, I'm not an alcoholic anymore. A little shot of vodka. Why? Because she knew in her psyche that it makes her feel good. So she took that shot of vodka. She said, Rewalstein, it relaxed me. I felt kids screaming. I didn't hear the screaming. It relaxed me. She's now in a rehab. She became a totally blown alcoholic. She almost lost everything. Why? Because once you move that, once you move the stuff and you go down that road, then the next time, I'll do it one more time. It's not going to be a difference. The mind of an addict. Just one more time. It's not going to change anything. It's just a little bit. Why? Because I know, I know what I like. So, so whoever has never drank, don't take one drink. Who never smoked, whoever's listening to this, every addiction starts with one. You have to start with one. So don't go down that road because once you do it once, you create that road. Now, I've spoken about this. I have a share called Creating a Road in Your Mind. Thought that it was my thought and my idea. The seventh parak in Toma Devorah says that Hashem created the world with the letter Hey. It says in Bereshis, Bihi Baram. Bez, right? With a Bez, Baram, I created the world. With a hey, I mean, be hey Baram. Bihi Baram spells with a hey, I created the world. Why did Hashem create the world with a hey? At first, he wanted to create it by din. But he realized that people are going to sin. People sin and he creates the world by din, with rules, with law, the world is going to be destroyed. I'm going to create the world with a hey. Listen to this. Mida Zion. I should read it to you from inside. He says the following. Hashem doesn't run the world like a human being. This is unbelievable. If you make your, your friend angry. So even if he even if he says I'm sorry, and he becomes your friend, your love for each other will never be the same as before he hurt you. Why? Why do you think? Let's see, girls. Why do you think? So I have this friend, and he hurt me really badly, and now he came to me. He said, Reverend Wallenstein, I love you. Forgive me, please. I'm sorry what I did. I will not ever like him the way I did. Before he did that, why? For famous saying, because if you could do it once, you could do it again. So in my mind, it's like, I understand that you're sorry, but I never in my wildest dreams thought you could do this to me. Now that you did it once, you could do it again. So the relationship can never be the same in a human being. Three says, okay, look how I get that much. But if a person does a sin to Hashem and he does tshuva, your, your, your relationship with Hashem is not the same, is not worse. It's much better. How do you know this? Right? It says in the Gemara Brachas, where a bali tshuva stands, the greatest tzaddik cannot stand. Which doesn't sound fair. I didn't do an Avera my whole life. This guy ate shrimp, watched movies he wasn't supposed to, did all these Averis. Now he did Chuba, he's greater than me, he's not greater than me. My whole life I, I didn't do an Avera. Half his life he did an Avera, now he's greater than me. 
Yes, says the Gemara. A person who hurts Hashem and then does tshuva, a real tshuva, in Hashem's eyes, he's greater than the tzaddik who never did anything wrong. Okay? Why? Hatam, because Hashem built the world with a hay. Now, what does that mean? If a person wants to do an Avera, here's where you're living, in this world. This is the world. If you want to do an Avera, it means you have to go down to do an Avera. So you, the, the bottom of the hay is wide open. So you fall through the bottom of the hay. Gehenna, Satan, Sha'ol, the low, the low part of the world, outside the world. You fall through. The, he got you to do an Avera. He got you to do something that you're not supposed to do. Right? So that's it. He says, no. What does Hashem do? Hashem said, listen. This is on addiction. He wrote this, how many years ago? This is Mamash, what my shear. I mean, my shear is Mamash this. He said, you, you can't come back up here. I want to do tshuva, right? You think to do tshuva, I'll come back up where I fell out. He said, if you try to come back where you fell out, you will never come back. Why? Because the Yitzhahara made you fall out. So you're going back to where he had movies, Lashon Hara, whatever he had over here. You're not going to be able, because you have that in your psyche, you cannot go back to the road that you fell out of. It's not going to work. He will destroy you. You will never make it. What does the Baal have to do? Hashem said, I'm going to create a hay. It's very Kabbalistic. I'm going to create a hay. You're going to do tshuva. So you're going to go up here. You're going to come back into the world over here. The Satan's waiting down here for you. He's not up here. Hashem said, I'm not going to create the world with a ches. If I create it with a ches, then you're stuck. You fall out the bottom. You've got to come back up the bottom. You're not going to make it back up the bottom. Because the avera that you did, that road is there. If you're going to try to come back the same road... You're going to reopen it. You're going to fall. You need to make... This is my share. You need to make a new road. Up here is the new road. So Hashem created with a hay. You've got to come through the new road. Chesed, tshuva, whatever it is. Says the Gemara in Brachis, After you do tshuva, the place that you're standing, the biggest tzaddik who's over here, he has no problem with the satan down here. He's living right here inside the world. He's fine over here. The Satan doesn't get to him. He's learning. He's not watching movies. He doesn't have an iPhone. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. Never heard of an iPhone. He's fine. But where are you if you did tshuva? You have to climb all the way up and go in the hole on top of the hay. The place of about tshuva stands is a new road. He's way above where the tzaddik stands. This is me design. In the Sefer, Tom Dubon, okay? There's a lot more in here, but that, that's the point that I want to make. And so, so my whole share of addiction is nothing. It was written way before me and on a much, much deeper part. Now let's go into this week's Pasha. Let's go into this week's Pasha. In this week's Pasha, at the end of Pasha's Vayichi, the brothers are very worried. Because at the end of the day, and this is really... Want to know what Rabbi Gamliel told me on this whole subject? This is what with my Rebbe Rabbi Gamliel told me. He said, and my father, Olo Shalom, it's an interesting thing. He didn't leave a will because he didn't think he was going to die as fast as he, he had cancer for three months. So he never 
wrote me a letter of what he wants me to do in my life. He never never left me a will, which was very painful. That he didn't leave me a will. I don't mean money. Uh, will what what you know? His what, what should I do? Who should I be? Where, where, where do I go? But what he did do all the years that we used to, on Shabbos, we learned Ma'am Loez, That was his safer that we learned. He would underline before Shabbos the most important part of that parasha that he was going to say. I have his Ma'am Loez. So his will, I just open up the safer. I see what he underlined is talking to me. When I was sitting shiva, I opened up the Ma'am Loez, and what was underlined was. Never be angry at someone who hurts you. Why? Because nobody could hurt you unless Hashem signed off on that decree. Nobody could break your fingernail. You can't break your fingernail. You can't stub your toe unless Hashem signs off that you should stub your toe. Therefore, why are you angry at the shliach? Don't kill the messenger. So this person who hurt you, Hashem sent him to hurt you. He didn't hurt Hashem. He's the messenger. Now, if that's the case, so what did he do wrong? Now, Wallstein, if, if Hashem sent him to steal from me, so why should I be angry? What did he do wrong? You have to ask Mechila. Why does he have to ask Mechila? He embarrassed me in front of everyone. He couldn't embarrass me unless you told him Hashem. So then, so then why did he have to ask Mechila? He didn't do anything wrong. No, he did something wrong. Where does Hashem look for someone to embarrass you? A person who's a bad person who embarrasses people. So he goes into the room, Hashem, of the Chaiti, of the, of the Ganev, and he uses the Ganev to steal from you. But he's a Ganev. He's still a Ganev. But he couldn't steal from you unless... Meant to be. That's why my wife's always put the alarm on. Put that. I said, nobody can steal from my house. Unless someone's supposed to steal from my house. Of course, you can't leave the door open. But two locks and three locks and how many locks and did that? No one can... Nobody can hurt you. And that's what my father had on the line. So, here is where it comes to fruition. The brothers knew they were protected, that Yosef would not hurt him as long as their father was alive. There's no way that Yosef's going to take revenge while our father's alive. Even Esau said, right, I'm waiting for my father Yitzchak to die so I can kill Yaakov. Even Esau wouldn't kill Yaakov until Yitzchak's out of the picture. So the brother thought, he's being nice, but the minute dad dies, the minute Yaakovino dies, he is going to take, take it out on us like nobody's business. Look what happens. It's very important. End of the parsha. So they say, Yaakov died, they come to Yosef, please forgive our sins, we caused you all this bad, right? Yosef started crying. Why he start crying? Because he said, you guys, you think that I would take revenge on you, my brothers? No way. Okay? Cried a lot. But they were very worried. And they bowed down to him. Please don't, don't take revenge. We'll be your slaves. We know what we did. We'll be your slaves. And here's the vart. Listen. What? Right. That was, when, that was the Rashi. But whatever. The father said that don't take revenge. He knew that his father would never say that because he's not the kind of person to take revenge. Right? You read last year's Rashi. It's Rashi. Listen carefully. This is the Tum of the Vara. 
Altirahu, don't be don't be scared that I'm gonna hurt you. Ki sachas elokim ani. Do you am, am I instead of God? What does that mean? For I am instead of God, what was he saying? He was saying, I'm just a shliach from Hashem. Everything you did to me, you couldn't do to me unless Hashem signed off on it. So it wasn't you. I'm not angry at you. I know it came from Hashem. You thought you were doing something bad to me? This is all from God. Hashem knew the whole time that this was for the good. That I saved the whole world. If I wouldn't been in Mitzrayim, they wouldn't have saved the seven good years. They would have all died. And listen to how he talks to his brother. And this is what he's saying. This is the attribute. Don't worry. I am going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. Not only you, my brothers, but as Tapchem, your little babies. There's no revenge here. He comforted them. They sold them to Mitzrayim. They tried to kill him. They should have been consoling him. But if you realize that it's coming from Hashem, it doesn't do with those people, and they feel bad what they did to you, so you have to say to them, don't feel bad. Don't worry, it's not you. I'll take care of your kids. Not just you. This is exactly what he's saying. And that's what he did. And he made them swear that they would take him out of Mitzrayim. That is what the the Talmud Devar is saying. Yosef is saying, listen, you, you, you try to hurt me. You thought you hurt me. You can't, you can't hurt me. Nobody can hurt me unless Hashem wants me to be hurt. And Hashem didn't want me to be hurt. But Hashem had to put this in your mind to sell me because that's the only way I could get down to Mitzrayim and do what I do. I wouldn't have gone down to Mitzrayim. I'm Yaakov Avinu's son. I was learning, I was learning in Yeshiva. There was no way that I'm leaving Yeshiva and going to Mitzrayim. No Jews, no Torah, the worst, lowest place, immoral place in the world. There's no way I would go there. So Hashem had to do this whole thing, put in your head, I'm Chayiv Misa, Mariam B'Malchus, sell me to Mitzrayim, end up by, by what's your name, Potifa, end up with a dream in, in, in the dungeon. Look at this story. It all had to happen. And therefore, because I realized that it happened for a good reason, I'm going to take, not only am I going to forgive you, but I'm going to take care of you. This is what he says here. If a person gets hurt by someone else, and you forgive them, that's fantastic. It's good. That forces Hashem in the next world, that if we hurt him, He'll forgive us. But, if not only you forgive the person, but you're willing to help that person afterwards, and do them a chesed, even though they hurt you, and do them the same chesed that they hurt you with, then you force Hashem in Shemayim, that not a Jew that does something wrong, not only will he forgive them, but he will do good for them. He says there's nothing greater 
than the human being that Hashem gave us the power to control what Hashem does to us by forgiving other people and even the people who hurt us the most in the world by helping them. Is it easy? Learning it here, it's amazing. But when that person hurts you, to be able to say, it's not her, it's coming from Hashem, because no one can hurt me otherwise. Or when I hurt myself, on the, I fall on the floor, instead of getting up and saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I did, right? Understand that it comes from Hashem. I'll give you an example. I went there to Israel, I was there for two days. One of the days was a fast day. The day before, I must have eaten something on the plane I shouldn't have. So I landed, I left Sunday night, I landed, I landed, no, I'm sorry, I left Matzah Shabbos, I landed Sunday night, and a whole, I landed Sunday night, and I made a phone call, this whole situation that I'm involved with, and I said some things I should not have said about what I'm involved in, that, that hurt people that hurt me, and okay. I got up at 10 o'clock at night, sicker than a dog. I threw up a whole Sunday night. And I got up in the morning, and as I'm just telling you the truth story, as I'm throwing up, right, I'm saying, I know why I'm throwing up. Hashem came out of my mouth words that shouldn't come out of my mouth. Hashem says, so stuff came out of your mouth that shouldn't come out of your mouth, well, tonight, stuff's going to be coming out of your mouth that shouldn't be coming out of your mouth, and you're going to throw up a whole night. Next morning, I woke up. When I woke up, it was gone. The whole thing was gone. But a whole night, I threw up. So I told this to my daughter. She's like, ha. Ha. Like, come on. You're throwing up, and that's what you're saying? Right? I said, Shefla, listen to me carefully. If I would say the reason I'm throwing up is because I ate bad food on the plane, Right? then I'm not going to get any forgiveness. Because if that's what you think, right? If you think that's the reason you're throwing up, so it doesn't do with Hashem. I ate bad food, right? It doesn't, it doesn't do with Hashem. I ate bad food, and I'm throwing up. The whole pain that you're going through is wasted. But if you understand that you can't have pain, you can't throw up. The Gemara says, you can't stub your toe. You know what that means? Stub your toe. So the Gemara says you can't stub your toe without God shining off. You think you can throw up without Hashem shining off? It's a lot more painful than stubbing your toe. But if you realize that everything comes from Hashem, it's not the food. And maybe Hashem made you eat that food so that you would throw up because it has to be a natural whatever it is. But you would not have eaten that food if you weren't supposed to throw up a whole night. So therefore, I'm saying to Hashem, I know that I said something out of my mouth I shouldn't have. So do me a favor. I went through all this a whole night. It was very painful. At least it should be a kapar on what I said. Don't waste your yusurim. Don't waste your pain. Understand that nothing you can go through in life is without Hashkadosh Baruch Hu signing. Hatachas Kimani. Am I instead of Hashem? You think you did it to me? It's coming from Hashem. There's only one Hashem. Everything that happened to me, Yosef said, came from me. If you realize that in life, you won't take things so hard. In the end of Pashas Vayechi, and that's Pashas Stuma. This guy hurt me. This one said this about me. This teacher threw me out. This one hurt. This, that. My child said this to me. 
Your child can't say that to you unless Hashem signs off. Does he make him right? Is he overkibbed? Of course he's overkibbed of him. But they've been having... All this stuff is very hard to deal with. Like, why is this all happening to me? But if I understand that it's not happening, it's coming from Hashem and nothing can happen without Hashem, it makes it much easier to accept and you're not wasting your pain. And therefore the Pasha and Stuma, it's a Stuma, it's a hard thing to understand. It's hard to accept that if someone hurt me, it's really Hashem hurting me and using him as a shliach. We don't see that. We see the person making fun of me in public. We don't see Hashem. We see the person. So Vayichi, the beginning of Vayichi, is closed. We don't understand life. What's the last part of Vayichi? Life is closed. But if you have that understanding of what's going on in this parasha, what's the last words we're going to say at the end of the parasha this week? Chazak, chazak, when it's chazak. It starts off closed. If you understand what Yosef HaTzadik was saying, just the opposite. You think you hurt me? I'm going to take care of your kids. I'm going to feed your family. You don't have to go get food. I'm going to take care of you guys. Because you didn't do it. You didn't do it. You did it, but you didn't do it. It came from him. A person understands that, then your life, that stuma, will be chazak, chazak, minis chazak. All our life should be, should be geben, should be chazak, chazak, minis chazak. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.